Heavenly Father, help us all to turn our eyes on you. And I pray right now, Lord, I need you, Lord, to help me to remember what I should remember and speak. And help me to forget and not speak the things that should not be spoken today. I pray that your name would be praised, that you would be hallowed, that you would be treasured by more people from our time together in this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. So how old am I? I'm 69. I will turn 70 in March. 69. I'm still learning how to pray. It started when I was a child. But I'm still learning. And I'm anticipating that I'm going to be learning about prayer, how to pray for the rest of my life, for as many days, weeks, months, years as God gives me. And I hope that you will join me in that journey of learning more about prayer and learning about it by using the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to say. But the very first prayer was taught to me by my parents. And my parents would come to my room, usually my father, I think, who taught me this prayer, or my mom, I don't remember which. But very early in life, I can remember praying like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I go before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless mommy and daddy. And then there was a whole list. That was kind of a nice little prayer. That was fine. That's old. It goes back to the 1700s. I don't know that people are being taught that. It's a fine little prayer. And then a very scary moment happened. One of my favorite, favorite television shows as a child was about a dog and a boy named Tim. Timothy. Little Timmy. And the dog's name was Lassie. Yeah, only about five of us know that. Okay. But one night, watching this show that I always look forward to seeing, Timmy started praying that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake... What?! Die? I say go. What do you mean die? And I suddenly realized this praying stuff was serious. That's the first time it broke onto my head that it was nice to say these things and remember these people and it helped me get to sleep and that was fine. But if I die before I wake, what's this all about? The next step in my development as a child about prayer, and that's why I have this little thing. I mean, if, frankly, if if Zach can bring his blankie up here for a stage prop, I can bring something from my life, which is a seat in school. I am 69. 58 of my years was in a school, either as a student or a teacher. So this is very comfortable for me. Well, so to speak. So, in the 1950s, in the United States, we instituted an interesting practice, and that was having children memorize the Lord's Prayer. And then they would repeat it every morning. We would do both the Lord's Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance. And we understood both of them about the same amount, not much. 
but we could retire, recite them pretty quickly. It went something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And we could say that, and it didn't really mean anything. It was just like repeating something. Just like in many cases, repeating a Pledge of Allegiance. And I, I don't know what it means. I just say it every day. I'm supposed to. But along came something interesting. Over time, we started recognizing that not everyone in the room said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And soon, we were listening to find out which kids were the Catholics who didn't bring in that doxology. And we'd listen as we were saying, for thine, and we'd be listening while we're saying, because we didn't have to think about it, oh, he's Catholic, I'm Protestant. That's about the only thing we were getting out of it, really. And maybe, maybe, maybe that boy in an elementary school classroom saying a prayer without any real understanding or really meaning it, he knew that David needed something. So my dad, probably I was in third or fourth grade, came to my room, and I don't know why he chose me for this. He didn't do it with my brother Doug or Dan or Don, none of them. I'm the one. He came to me and he, at night and said, okay, you need to understand what each phrase of the Lord's Prayer is. So for a week, he took one section, he'd come in at night, then the next section, the next section, the next section, the next section, the next section. And suddenly I thought, oh, I'm supposed to really kind of understand this Lord's Prayer. It's far more important than just I can say it and I can figure out which kid's Catholic, which kid's Protestant. But it started being real. And then throughout the rest of my life, there were lots of different times I prayed, Lord, I have this really tough exam. Help me get through this. Lord, let Marilyn say yes when I ask her out on a date. I mean, I mean those are the kind of prayers. There was nothing serious. Well, I really, I was saying things. Help. I, I didn't really get it. I still didn't get it. I was still working at it. And then over time, stuff started happening in my life that changed. And I started to understand that the Lord's Prayer was really significant. When I became an elder, Irving Jokes was an elder at that time. He's in heaven today. He was helping me to use the Lord's Prayer as part of every service that I did. He said, let's do that. And we'll do it just like your dad did. We'll take one phrase as the theme for each of the services we did. And we did that for months until it was my time to kind of fly on my own. And then I would often encourage, I would often place the Lord's Prayer in a worship service. That was good. But I'm still learning how to pray. Zach challenged us on Father's Day. If there's something your father did good or bad, remember it. Remember what he did was good and learn from it. Remember what he is bad, learn from that. And I'm doing that kind of thing. I said, oh, I'm supposed to be doing a sermon? Zach, I, I've got to do the Lord's Prayer. Good day. All right, now, what I've really come to understand over the time of spending walking through this, now that I'm at this age in life, uh, I want you to be able to get some sense about what this is about. 
so that you don't have to wait until you're 69 to get some of these insights. The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It's a pattern prayer. But it breaks down into wonderful little pieces. And if we understand these pieces, it will not only change the way we pray, it may well change the way we live as followers of Jesus. Let's start with the first phrase, verse 9. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And keep in your mind this concept as I walk through this. Are you living like an adopted child of God? Adoption. Last week, Mark Schofield preached a little section about both adoption and the new birth. Today, it's focusing a lot on adoption. And uh, Pastor John Piper titled the sermon, Adoption, the Heart of Salvation. And it's true. And it's something I want to share with you as I come to understand it as well. Think about what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying to his disciples, those who are following him, those who want to hear what he's saying, those who understand there's some kind of transformative power into words that he's saying, those who know there's something different about Jesus than any human being they've met, they can't put their finger on it, they don't quite understand it, but they just want to soak up everything they can. And when he is going to teach them to pray, he starts in a very unusual fashion. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. That's how Jesus prayed. He prayed to God, the Father, over and over. In the New Testament, more than 200 times, individuals are praying to God in the name of the Father. The Father, the Father, the Father, because of that relationship. In the Old Testament, it shows up only when somebody is praying about all of us. You are the father of the nation of Israel. Not Moses saying, Father. No, this is about Israel saying something to you as a group. This is intimate. Jews found that very disturbing that these followers of Jesus might be praying our Father so intimately. But that's what God wants us to understand. He wants you and I to understand his love for us. I don't know what your relationship with your mom or your dad was. It may have been very good. It may have been very bad. But in all of it, most of us, all that we wanted was to be loved and accepted. That's all. Love us, accept us for who we are. No, you're our dad. I'm your kid. That's what we wanted. And that's what we're looking for. Here's a father who loves us more than any human father could ever love us. This is a father who knows us. This is a father who knit us together in our mother's wombs. This is a father who can count every hair on your head. This is a father who knows the words you're going to speak before you actually speak them. This is who our father is, who is intimately connected with every moment of every day of our entire life. And he loves us. 
He loves us. Think about adoption. Adoption is an amazing concept, especially when we think about it in relationship to the gospel, to salvation. You do not get to choose your parents when you're getting adopted. The parents choose you when you're getting adopted. Your being adopted changes everything in your life. Legally, you are now that son or the daughter of the person who adopted you. You may well have taken on their name. You certainly are going to be legally inherited to their, able to inherit what they leave behind. A judge would say, yes, adopted or biological, they're both sons, they both get this stuff. Unless it's specified somewhere else in the will, both of them are sons in the eye of the Lord. That's something that is never going to change for a follower of Jesus. You are always going to be his adopted son, his adopted daughter. I chose you. I chose you from before the beginning of time. I chose you. Loving Father who wants only the best for you all the time who may not like what we're doing, but loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who is that man? He's in heaven. I am so grateful that Jesus didn't start the prayer. Majestic king. Dread judge holder of life and death. Pray our Father. He is judge, king. Life and death is in his hands. All of that is his. Majestic, powerful, beyond our ability to understand. Beyond our ability to understand. That's who God is. But we have to grasp something today. And if this is the only thing you grasp from what I say today, I will be very happy. But hold on to this. It's about hallowing his name. Treasuring his name. Treasuring how great his name is. That's what it's all about. Frankly, evaluating how well you treasure God's name will be incredibly helpful to you in your growth. Let me help you understand that. All of the universe that's created that hallows God's name. It's something that makes it holy, sacred, separate, beyond everything we could imagine. Every atom that exists in the world hallows God's name because it exists, because without God it doesn't exist. It shows about who God is. When God placed life on this planet, it hallows his name. Life does not come from non-life. It doesn't happen doesn't. God created life and our ability to think and our ability to have a relationship with him and also our ability to fail him and disobey as our father Adam and our mother Eve did. But that's what we have. We have a God who created all of that. And everything that happens in the world is hallowing his name. From the creation of the universe to life 
to Jesus coming as a babe in a manger, journeying on this planet. Everything that he was doing, hallowing God's name. And there on the cross, completing God's plan, hallowing his name, hallowing his name. Everything. When we're in heaven, what are we doing? We are like those cherubim. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We are not adding to his holiness. We are recognizing it. We are saying, yes, Lord, hallow your name. Use us to hallow your name in our lives, in our prayers, in everything that we do. Hallow your name through all of this. We want your name to be hallowed. He wants us every day to start with, Dad, I want to see your name lifted higher than it's ever been before. In my life, in the world, I want to see your name lifted high. That's what I'm seeking for. That's what I'm praying for. If we start that prayer, everything else falls into place. From that first line, we get to the next one. Verse 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm not always seeking after God's kingdom every day. I'm not actively seeking his kingdom. I'm seeking things that I want to do. Marilyn, where are we going for a walk today? Are we going to this place or that place? What are we doing? We're going to go on our little day trip. Where are we? I want to seek what I want. Where's breakfast? What am I eating? Am I actively seeking God's kingdom? Am I praying for his kingdom to come? Oh, as Mike prayed today, we're in a crazy place in this world, Lord, and we want to see your kingdom break through. We see all the mess all around us. We can't figure it out. We can't understand it. We need you to break through in this kingdom. Your kingdom breaking in now, Lord, and then to the point where your kingdom is established on this planet. That's our desire. That's what he wants us to be able to do. If we're hallowing his name, if we're seeking to glorify him beyond any glory, it's easy to then say, and what you're doing in your program of bringing the kingdom come, yes! And then we start thinking, oh, that means in me too. Am I not just praying for God to straighten out the mess of the world? Am I straightening out the mess in David? Am I going to him? Am I saying, God, I need help? You know what I need. Help me. Help me to obey and follow your guidance and your rule. Help me to do that, Lord. I want to be a cheerful, faithful, joyous follower of Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And now is the hard part. On earth as it is in heaven. In heaven... When God says to an angel, go, the angel said, well, where do you want me to go? Where am I bringing? What am I supposed to do? I don't think this is the wrong time for me. Uh, I've got a break coming, God. I don't think I can go now. Is that what the angel's doing? The angel's going, go on. Go. I'm gone. I'm doing what you're telling me to do. Do this. Bring this. Do that. Does it? I don't know about you. I'm not 
as quick to respond to God's replies, urging the tugging of my heart by the Holy Spirit. I have to be reminded many, many times until I finally do that. Maybe that's some of you. It's me. I know I need to be reminded, and yes, okay, yes, Lord, okay, yes, and then do it. It doesn't come easy. On earth, it doesn't come easy. There's so many distractions, so many issues. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, this is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here. I don't know if anyone's saying, I just want a piece of bread for lunch. That's all I need, Lord. Give me a piece of bread. It'll get me through the rest of the day. Just give me a piece of bread. I'd be so grateful for a piece of bread. No? No one? No, I didn't think. The closest I can come to was when a friend of mine, Indar, and I were walking in Turkey, and he, this Korean man named Benjamin was there, and he was working and witnessing to people in that city, and it was lunchtime. Uh, I didn't know much, English, much uh, Turkish. I didn't know much Korean, no Korean. He knew some English, a lot of Turkish, and it was getting lunchtime, so I had to fumble around in whatever way I could do to ask for food. And he took us. I thought, okay, I've got Turkish money. And if somehow my Turkish money is gone, they'll take an American credit card. We're all set. And he brought us to a weird place. He brought us to a mosque. Why? Because that's where they were giving out charity food to people who were coming. Strangers, others, people in need. What? We got in line. And I'm thinking about this. I'm a Christian who's coming here who wants these Muslims to understand about the love of Jesus. And what the Muslims are doing right now is showing love to me, someone who, if they knew really who I was and why I was there, they'd say, get out of line. But I got that. Teshikara down. Thank you. And they gave me that bread. And I ate that bread. I don't think I've tasted bread that tasted so good in my life, knowing that was my lunch. That what was going to cover me until 6 or 7 o'clock that night. This is what I was grateful. It tasted so good. It was so wonderful. It was so special. Maybe that moment happened so that I could share with that with you today as we're talking about daily bread. Come on. We go to the grocery store. We, get, we want to. We go to uh, a drive through and say, hey, uh, give me a Whopper Junior. You know, I want this. I want that. Whatever it might be. Hand over the credit card. They throw the bag out at you. You get your root beer and you're all set to go. God had nothing to do with that, right? That's how we live, don't we? Don't we in our lives? Don't we do that in our lives? Do we always take the time to try to be thankful? Are we thinking about being thankful to God for just simple things like that? God wants us to understand that. He takes care of every single need that we have. All the things we have to have. All of our needs, he takes care of. 
And Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Not that we can put it in a freezer and we're all set for six months. No. Daily bread. Trusting in God every day. When I started grasping that concept, Marilyn and I were starting to teach our kids at our mealtime. What are you thankful for? Andy, what are you thankful for today? Rachel, what are you thankful for today? Marilyn, what are you thankful for today? Here's what I'm thankful for today. Let's, thank, let's praise God and thank him for what we're thankful for. To try to put in some kind of gratitude, some gratefulness in our hearts when we do that. Do I do that? Oh, how many times do I don't? And when I think about how awesome God is, and I'm, help me, Lord. Help me to be more thankful, more grateful. Remind me daily, Holy Spirit, grab me, whatever needs to be done so that I can be more grateful. Because there's times I really don't. I just trust myself. I, we've got it. I've got this, God. Don't worry, I got it. No, I don't. No, I don't. God has me. He takes care of me. But for some of you, this is the part that's going to hit your heart the hardest. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive as we forgive. Forgive as we forgive. In this past year, I've had a rather advanced seminar in my life and learning about this. First, learning about how important it is to forgive. When there was somebody who was in my life who there was so much pain, frustration, anger I was holding on to, I could not forgive. I could not forgive. What this person was doing, I saw was so terrible, so bad. I couldn't forgive. I couldn't forgive. And then when I would pray at night, our Father in heaven, and then think about who all the people were who would also be saying, our Father, my Father. (gasps) That same group of people, that same person, they, they all are praying, our Father. He's my brother. I've got to come to a point of forgiveness. And praise God, he walked me through that. And it was wondrous. It was wondrous. It was wondrous. You see, and you've heard me say this before, when you don't forgive someone else, you are drinking the poison that you want to pour down their throat. That's what's happening. That's what forgiveness is about. It's making you bitter. It's making you harsh. It's making you negative. It's making you have things that come up that are negative towards other people because you're holding on to this grudge. You're holding on to this problem and you can't let it go. You've got to let it go. You have to forgive. That doesn't mean you have to forget. It doesn't mean you have to trust the person who hurt you. But you have to forgive. As Christians, we might think a simple thing. We might think that forgiveness is optional for Christians. 
No, forgiveness is a must for followers of Jesus. Why? Forgive us. Forgive us. Do you remember what life was like before you turned to Jesus? Do you want to go back and relive that part of life and do that all over again, do all that stuff again? Or you'd say, no, I, I get rid of it. Forgive us our trespasses. And when you start realizing how much God forgave you and the cost of sending his son Jesus to you, a broken sinner who was messing up every single day, sinning, it was horrible, hurting yourself and hurting others. And yet he sent his son for you. What amazing love. What amazing grace. Forgiving others was the first part of the lesson. Then came our next part. During this past year, I hurt someone badly. It was horrible. To this day, I still remember the pain I caused. When I know that I've been forgiven by God, that's gone. But when I know that I've hurt this individual, it stays every time I read scripture about somebody who sinned, did this or that, and went, ah, ouch. And they'll say, thank you, God, for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me of what I did. Help me not do that again. You see, when you forgive someone, the burden falls off your back. And it's gone. It's gone. Don't pick it up again. But when you're asked someone forgiveness and you know what you've done, you're reminded regularly so that you won't do that again, that there's consequences. So I urge you today, forgive others. When you ask for forgiveness from God, Both those things have to happen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. By the way, that word trespasses is an interesting one. It's something that came from William Tyndale, who wrote the first English Bible that if you picked it up, you could actually understand the words because of how they're spelt and how they're pronounced. And it's there. Now, the best translation would say debtor or debt. But come on, how many people owe you a debt? And you're waiting for them to pay up. You have a lot of debtors, you have to forgive their debts? No, when we think about debts, we're thinking about mortgage, we're thinking about paying a bill, we're thinking about a credit card, we're thinking about, well, am I going to pay this if I don't have a job? What happens if the unemployment is canceled? What's going on? I'm going to have all this debt and all this problem. We think of it financially. Trespasses comes a little closer. Modern translations sometimes put in the word sin. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The last big phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
or as Lily's version said, the evil one. That's really helpful. I don't know. Are you still enjoying a little temptation? You know, lust is an issue for you and you just kind of look out of the corner of your eye and see something, go, okay. Or you're on the computer and you go, oh, okay, no one sees this except me. Oh, yeah, really? God's not seeing what you're doing? Maybe you have an issue with anger. And you know you're kind of get excited. Oh, I can get into this anger. When I see them, I'm going to be so angry. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to let my anger explode. No, that's not good, is it? No. Maybe it's alcohol, it's drugs, it's something else that is a temptation for you. Maybe it's your pride and trying to honor your name. I want my name. Oh, let my name be in lights. That's what I want, my name to be remembered. Oh, there has to be a legacy following me that everyone remembers. Oh, yes, remember David. Yes, yes. That's another one of those temptations, isn't it? And what's useful about the NIV translation was it says, because of the evil one. Listen, my friends, both here and on the screens online, the tempter knows your weakness. The tempter knows your weakness. Do you know that? Do you understand that? And when you stumble into that weakness, God didn't tempt you. The tempter brought you there. And you walked in and you thought, I'll have a little bit of this. It's not a lot, just a little bit, just a little bit. What does he want? He wants God's name not to be hallowed. He wants to be, have it be smirched, lowered, lessened, more close so he can be equal. He wants not God's kingdom to come in, but God's kingdom to kind of eh, just be there a little bit. Well, we'll, we'll tolerate it. He wants us to be thinking, I get to take care of my bread. I take care of my needs. I'm the one who's paying the rent. He wants us to think, hey, that person hurt you. Never forgive them. Never. You can never forgive them because that's what a man does. He doesn't forgive someone. Never forget that person who hurt you. No woman is going to ever forgive someone who did that. Come on. You can't do that. That's what the enemy, the tempter, wants to do. He does. That's what it's about. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That doxology, that was the part where we sat there in elementary school and we figured that out. But think about where it starts. It starts with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. What's it all about? It's all about God. It's about hallowing God. And in the end, praising his kingdom, his power, his glory, eternally. That's what this is about. Now, take a moment and think about Jesus in relationship to this. Jesus is the person who exemplifies, not only teaches the Lord's Prayer, he lives it out. He lives it out. He really saw his conversations as real. And we say, what? I don't understand it. We, we, we can't, how can we call God? God's too great for me. I, I can't. I can't do that. He's your loving Heavenly Father who graciously has chosen you and adopted you as you 
are following Jesus as the Holy Spirit brought you in that journey. Jesus always hallowed God's name. Even in the end, I've glorified your name on earth. Now glorify me here in this end. Glorify that. Bring me back to the glory that I was with you. Jesus wasn't about his ministry. It was about God's kingdom. God's kingdom every day in every way. God's kingdom. What's happening with God's kingdom? The transforming of alliance. And working with disciples who were really like me. Broken, ornery, foolish, not very obedient, but they did know there was something about you, so we're hanging around. And he worked with them, lovingly, caringly, all the way to the end. Jesus, every day, he understood the concept for most people at that time. They truly needed bread. They really needed bread. When he fed the 5,000, it was loaves of bread and fish. That's all they had. They'd been there for, in one situation, three days. If they had any bread or fish or anything, they were gone. I'm going to feed them. A little bit get through the day. But when he was tempted, he said to the tempter, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He knows our needs. God knows our needs. It's said that over and over again in the New Testament. God knows your needs. Forgiveness. Jesus is hanging on the cross by the people he came to save, the people he came to rescue, the people he came to redeem, both those Jews and those Romans, and the Gentiles watching on. And he said, Father... Now the name Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Forgive? Killing God the Son? Forgive them? Take me down from this cross and let me zap through all of them and we'll start all over again. No, forgive them. The tempter wants you to enjoy temptation. The tempter wants to lead you in paths that are destructive for you. But our response is to learn not only what's in the core of this prayer, but to have our lives built on hallowing his name, treasuring his name, protecting his name, valuing his name, esteeming his name, holding his name on high. That's what our journey on earth is. The two best things that you can do with your breath is to praise God and exalt his name and tell others about him. Everything else is fine. The two very best. Nothing tops them. Praising God for who he is. Hallowing his name.
treasuring his name, valuing his name, and telling others about God's love and about what Jesus has done. That's what our lives are about. Those are the best things that we can do. So the question for you and for me, what's the next step? Do you need to start by hallowing God's name more? By focusing on his name in every way? By trying to honor him more? Is that where you need to start? And you know that once that happens, the other things fall in place. I know for me, that's where I have to start. I have to hallow his name even more. And then it'll be far easier for me to do the next thing by saying, I want to see your kingdom come, not only in this world, but in my life. And I want to obey quickly, immediately, because I started by hallowing your name. And then when I get to that, then my own little needs. God, I'm going to trust you. How great you are, your kingdom, what you're doing, how in your name. Food. What's, what's food compared to that? Forgiveness. That's something that Christians offer to the world. That is something that Christians uniquely, truly offer to the world, is forgiveness. Be a forgiven. Be forgiven. Be forgiven. Be forgiven. And forgive others. Forgive others. Maybe it's those temptations you have to say I have to set aside. The distractions that keep me from prayer. The distractions I get from praising God. The distractions that keep me from doing the right thing. The distractions that let me go down and head down towards the temptations. Maybe it's the temptations. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is telling you now. Don't forget. Dedicate your time with God to focus on that. Now I'm going to close our service a little bit differently. Our closing prayer and blessing combined, I'm going to have all of you please stand and we're all going to pray the prayer with those old-fashioned words, art and thy and thine and trespasses. It's good to say the Lord's Prayer. But you should think about the prayer and what it means and express it in your own way. But it's good for us to be reminded that we can carry with it wherever we go. So let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go in peace.